It is wonderful to see three services, people sitting in totally different spots that I'm used to. <laughs> I'm trying to find some of you as a way to at least have some sort of compass. So we got the Brockways over here, Pastor Josias over there. <laughs> it's good to see Mimi's right there. <laughs> it's good to see the church come together. It's good to see one another welcome each other, give each other the spot for over years and years and years as yours share with someone else if needed. It's good to do small things like that and keep in perspective what it really is all about. So God bless you. Thank you so much for being flexible, for being engaged, for being excited of coming together as one church. I want to share with you an image of something that reflects one of my happy places. When I go to the beach, I enjoy watching the sunrise and I really enjoy embracing an ocean view. And since I got here in July, my family, we've been able to go at least uh, now four times to Deerfield Beach. Yes. Thanks to the Women's Ministry Retreat, retreat early in July. Um, I went early in the morning and after that experience, my family and I have gone a few times to embrace the ocean view. For me, the ocean views display the vast sand, the skies, the open space, the deep and wide waters. And when I take it all in, I remember when I was little, I used to see and believe that there was a perfect straight line that could be reached and touched. And that I, at some point when I grew up, if I was able to develop the strength to swim, surely people could make it to that particular line. Yes? So nowadays, I'll take it all in, but my eyes continue to be captivated by what it looks like a perfect straight line, reachable, far, but reachable. So I look at the straight view, I look how it splits the skies and the waters, and it even looks to me like a finish line. Maybe you can remember long, long ago, brilliant people believed that the earth was flat, factoring in that line. Many beliefs and students and children were taught to believe that the earth was flat. 
And that so thought visible line confused people to believe the wrong thing. And that line became a goal to reach. And that first season of figuring it out, that goal to develop a way to reach the finish line, then develop a vision to not only reach it, but maybe to wonder if there was more. And it motivated wonder. And it certainly motivated people to grow a certain passion to discover, to confirm the existence of the line. So it took courageous pioneers. It took the bravery of many people to dive into the challenge and reach the finish line. But when they went for it, the line kept moving. And the trips took longer. And because the initial thought was that that was indeed a flat, straight line, an obvious, so visible, many voyagers lost their lives, lost time and quality of life because when they embarked on it, they didn't have enough food, they didn't have enough equipment, they didn't have enough knowledge, they didn't have enough ways to secure themselves in the journey. But each time, they learned something. And for those who returned, said, it's, it's a lot farther than what you think. We have to equip better. And every single try led to a next step. And then, eventually, after many enduring storms and winds, people pressed forward. People prepared better each time. And people advanced an effort and sailed through unchartered territories. And they discovered new things. And that line doesn't really exist, and we know that the earth is not flat. Amen? And the new world, among many other discoveries, unfolded. What we know is not all there is to know. May we always have a sense of wonder and have a passion and the humility to be certain, but also to embark, for there is much more to be lived. When God calls us, when God commissions us to live purposefully, it's not because we have it all perfectly figured out, and it's not because we will ever have it all perfectly figured out. Our life's course should reflect how much 
we trust and pursue God. So one of the questions for you this morning, how much do we trust and pursue God's will for our lives? We are created to remain connected to God no matter what. Storms, winds, longer trips, no matter what, we are to remain connected to God. We are to envision our lives with Christ at the center. Just earlier this morning, one of you says to me, we are to tap more often and just tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. God is in control. God is a sovereign God. And what doesn't make sense to you, some things will never make sense to you. But that is not equivalent to believe that it doesn't make sense or it's out of God's reach. God remains in control. God is the Lord of creation in our lives. And we are to pursue God. Habakkuk, not a very popular name. Habakkuk is a prophet who was called to lead and speak to the people of Israel during a very difficult time. They, the Israelites, were living and enduring a distorted way of justice a discouraged community, divisiveness in the community, in the church, and all the systems you can think of, and all the relationships and dynamics were struggling. And there was a lot of discouragement. There was not even a finish line or a starting line. Nothing straight. So the book of Habakkuk in the Old Testament, very short, three chapters. It's a letter. And Habakkuk writes, it's literally the book of a complainer. It is. It's an authentic state of a person who believes in God, who is called by God, and who struggles with God's will. And the vast majority of the writing in those three chapters has to do with him complaining on behalf of the people He's feeling the pressure. He's concerned for the future. He gets real before God. He even accuses God of being inactive and inattentive. Can anyone else besides me relate to that kind of feeling sometimes with God Almighty? There are moments or seasons in life where it feels like God is being distant and silent and irrelevant and setback after setback. There's no way to actually make it or limitations to the so-called finish, uh, the finish line. There's thoughts that maybe we're pursuing the wrong thing. 
In chapter 2, Habakkuk writes of how hard it is to see beyond what is happening at that moment. And the verse 2 of chapter 2 records how the Lord answers to Habakkuk. We, I set it up. There's a lot of complaining and concern and discouragement. And here's what the Lord says to Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 2. And it reads, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets, so that a runner may read it. Anybody wants to run? No? Okay. I'm going to keep reading, and I'm going to read now verse 3 for you. For there is still a vision for the appointed time, and it speaks of the end, and that is not a lie. It, if it seems too tarry, wait for it, it will surely come, it will not delay. Amen. The Lord continues to speak, and new things continue to take place. And it may take long, but the Lord continues to speak. So the first phrase, there's still a vision in, in verse 2 where it says, write a vision, and write it on a tablet. Putting things in writing is a way to formalize things, correct? We sign on it. We write it down. Do you have visions for your life, for your family? What is the vision of a Christian for a Christian? How should life be lived by a Christian? What is the vision for the church that is made up of Christians? How should we live life? Let's formalize a vision. Do we believe that there may be more or new ways that God wants to be glorified in your life? Do you believe that God has something more to do with you? Do you believe that God wants to do more for your family and be with your family? Do we believe that there's a vision yet to be revealed for you and then for all of us together? Formalizing a vision for our lives holds us accountable. We prepare it, we use it as a check-in, we review it, it's accountability. And as we check in, and as we prepare, and as we try, and as we make mistakes, and as we have successes, we learn something and we keep pressing forward. May God be our vision. May God be the vision for your life. 
Make it plain on tablets, Habakkuk writes. Meaning, it's got to be clear. We got to be held accountable, and it's got to be clear. So that a runner may read it. Let's talk a little bit about the meaning of runner. In this context, a runner can mean a person simply passing by. That's it. But they're passing by, they didn't plan to see it, but once they saw it, they couldn't miss it. Another way of understanding the runner is a runner may be someone who is on the pursuit and chasing and going because they're trying to find direction and they need purpose in their lives like we all do. So they are in the pursuit. And imagine what it's like when you're trying and we're chasing and we're going towards certain goals and we believe this or that is our finish line. So you are on the go and then you see something very clear that reveals something else or something more. That is also a runner. And another kind of runner in this particular context is someone who is running away from destructive, from pain, from sufferings, from realities. Running just because we are always on the move, running because we're pursuing or running away from. For all of those possibilities, we are to see clearly that God is in control and God is near and there and willing. One question for you. If someone was to be running on their pursuit and they encountered your lives, your lives' realities, your lives' work, your lives' experiences. Could they see clearly that God is your vision? If someone is running away from pain and away from sin and whatever is going on, and they see you, could they see some hope through you? And if someone is indifferent or passive and needs some motivation, and revelation, could they receive it because of you? The Lord spoke then, and the Lord speaks today. Whatever we may think is the finish line, whatever we may think is too vast and too difficult in your lives, may you take this verse and speak prophetically into your own life. And formalize your commitment. May it be so plain and so clear that it's not just about writing it on a pledge or on a letter, but it's your persona that's living it out, the Holy Spirit through you. We should trust God for the Lord continues to call us to live with purpose. We should always assume that we are part of the solution. Amen, brothers and sisters. 
may we always assume that we are to be part of the solution, definitely not the alternative. May we always believe that we have the ability to be part of the movement, of the vision. And not because we all have it figured out, but because God does have it figured out. And God is in control, and we collaborate with God. That's all. We are stewards, not owners. So when we are stewards of a vision for today, for your life, a vision for tomorrow, we're stewards and not owners because there's a risk of becoming the owners. By becoming the owners, then we take away the opportunity for others to continue that. And that's a limitation. When we become owners, then we are limiting to only what we know. But when we know that God is in control and God is the owner, and then we believe we are to be God's stewards, we are living into our calling as disciples of Jesus Christ. May we believe that we are disciples making disciples of Jesus Christ for 51 more years. What do you think? As we look ahead, year 2020, pretend that you're offshore and you're seeing that ocean view and what seems like a visible, real line in front of us. Are we sailing through life without vision because it is hard or harder than expected or because we want the control, because we want to act like owners, or when we are seeing offshore, imagining, wondering, preparing, being part of the solution, we will embark in a journey and God will unfold many ways because the world's salvation and your family's salvation is at stake. And we're to take ownership of our part, of our commitment to the greater plan for God. I am holding what looks like a yearbook for this church in early 2000s. Disciples making disciples making disciples. Great pictures, folks. Great stories great memories what good does it do for me to look at a photo album of my family and tell my daughters for example well these were the good old days you don't get them that's gone what good does that do but if we take this memory as an inspiration look at all the things we did let me also tell you of how difficult some of these things were but the Lord was with us, and the Lord helped us. And you see these beautiful pictures? People, nice haircuts, by the way, many of you. Nice, beautiful hairdos, so relevant. So you look at these images, and I wonder how many times maybe one of you who, who see yourself, beautiful smile, clicked, 
smile for the picture, and then in just one conversation, someone may say, well, if you only knew that in 2004, that day when I took a picture, I was going through this and this and this and this, but the Lord held me together the whole time, for God is always in control, God is always faithful, and we are just to remain in wonder, believing that God loves us. That's the kind of vision we are to live. So this is an inspiration to me. This is a foundation for us to go, to be renewed in our souls, to be forgiven, to be transformed even more. So as we come to a moment to receive the gift, the means of grace of Holy Communion, May you remember how once maybe you were running towards the wrong thing or running away from God or paralyzed by pain and trouble. And how God pursues us. There are more people to be saved There are families to be restored. There are marriages to be redeemed. There are children to be rooted in the name of Jesus Christ. There are pews to be filled. There are families. There are young people to be released as missionaries. There's so much to be done in our households and in our community. Would you like to trust, to continue trusting and pursue God's vision in our lives?